Stephen Jill here. Good day. Welcome to the House Academy Show, entertaining real estate investment talk. I'm Stephen Jack Butella. And I'm Jill DeWitt, broadcasting from sunny Southern California. Today, Jill and I talk about what acquisition financing options do you have during these virus times? And the short answer is, and we'll get into it later, uh, the detailed answer, because that's what Jill likes, the details. You have the exact same options that you had before this all started, unless you're trying to do something really wacky or trying to do something out of the ordinary, like buy an empty building. If you're buying an apartment building and it's empty, you're gonna have a lot more trouble now than you did before. Or if you're a super high risk uh, for the bank personally, you're super low credit score. So, and here's the big, the issues with that. During these virus times and during an economic downturn, there's a higher possibility that those things are going to happen. So what ends up happening is a lot less money gets lent in risky scenarios. But banks still love to lend on uh, properties in scenarios where they don't see a lot of risk. So what do you do? <laughs> Avoid high-risk stuff? That's funny. I was I was watching a, um, a Facebook Live that somebody was doing today. Talk, it was a, an investor talking with his number. They like to do a lot of houses. And so they were talking about, um, and he's a realtor. So he's an investor and realtor, you know, broker. He has Sounds his like own, a bad joke. Right, I know. <laughs> so, and there he was asking, he said, all right, you know, we do all these deals together. Who do you think is the one that's really winning right now? He said, is it the investor? Is it the real estate agent? Or is, the, is it the lender, the mortgage guy? And you know what his answer was? Lender. Yes. So when do lenders ever lose? Exactly. So yeah, he's like, these guys are killing it right now. Yep. So I, love I, I have uh, I have a whole shelved business model about starting a, a mortgage brokerage company, but I can't get my head around it because uh, I have I lots of time. I don't believe. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the problem? I'm I have oodles of time. I just have issues in my soul about sucking fees out of deals. That oh. aren't mine, and representing other people. I'll you know, represent I hate fees. I hate so fees with a passion. We don't do it now. Right. We go into our deals with our deal funding. We'll talk about this here in a minute. Where we shake hands. I'm responsible of this for this. You're responsible of that. We're not going to nickel and dime each other. We just know what it is is what it right. is. Period. Done. So in a way, we might, to finish the thought. Instead of being a you know a mortgage broker and taking four or five hundred bucks off of a deal, we just decided to be the bank itself. Right, but, you know. So now we're the private, we're a private equity lender mm-hmm. for the right types of land and house deals, and that solves it for me. Because exactly. now we're partners. We're not sucking money out of someone else's deal. Yep. We're gonna talk more about that. Before we get into <laughs> it, let's take a question posted by one of our members on the HouseAcademy.com online community. It's free. Mike wrote, "I've been working with two realtors in two separate states. I've been using them." Uh, to have them check out properties to get an idea of what I can list at, list them for, etc. I feel like as a courtesy, I should give them the listing so that I continue to having them as my boots on the ground. However, I feel like in both instances, I could do a better job selling the properties myself. That's always true. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These are just small properties and probably a huge pool of other properties they have listed. So I'm going to give them some more time. However, does anyone have the best practices for telling the realtors that you want to delist the property? Would I still need to pay them commission if I list it myself within the agreement period, et cetera? Thanks. You want to go first? Or you go you first? should go first. Okay. 
The answer is uh, yes, you will still pay them. Don't even bother trying not to, it's not, you know. But when you go into it, you wanna try to have an arrangement, you know, for houses, hopefully 90 days to six months. That's really makes sense. Um, and I think that's what most of them will agree to, depending on the environment. When we're doing land, sometimes it's six months to a year, which I'm not a fan of, but, and, I, and usually doesn't go that long, but that's just kind of the, their rule of thumb when they do these contracts. So anyway, uh, I like, so let me go back to this thing. I, I want, I depending on the type of property that it is and how you're gonna sell it, you may or may not use somebody. I usually don't. We're usually selling to other investors and I don't really need someone in there in that capacity. But I like the way you're using them. Why don't you offer them some money? There's no reason to not, and you should pay them a little something for their time if they don't get the listing uh, and and have a nice relationship with them. There's so many benefits that could come from this, from properties that come up that they don't want to work with that they're going to throw to you later on, or deals that you guys can do together. Um, there's just a lot of possibilities. Yeah, what Jill said. <laughs> there's a, almost no chance that you're going to sign a, a non-exclusive agreement with a real estate agent, meaning they just don't do it. They, right. they don't. They're, they're a long time ago. I used to have conversations with people who owned a lot of commercial real estate that went like this. Absolutely, my uh, office building or my long-term care facility is for sale. It's not on the market, but it's always for sale. And if you can get five million bucks, I'm happy to pay two percent. Mm -hmm. And so that's a pocket listing. And but they're never going to sign something that some probably not going to sign something that says that. And I've done deals. I wouldn't do this today ever, but I'm not recommending you do. But back then, before the internet. I'd get on the phone and, and I would sell the property. I would, I would find a $5 million buyer because I was so in tune with what was happening with Wall Street driven companies where they, they could overpay uh, for an asset like that and get paid. But with, you weren't as a broker. You were you were working as what capacity? I was not operating as a licensed real estate broker in any capacity. It was, it was selling the company and it was an right. investment banking capacity. That's how I wanted to say. Yeah, thank you. It sounded like you're a broker. I'm like, please oh, define this. Yeah, thank you. As, so, <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that was a different time and a different business. So that, but in, back to the point, real estate agents are gonna demand uh, an exclusive agreement, and it's what Jill said. They're gonna get paid. Even if you, the buyer comes just- It, buy, it comes you, straight to you. From ne next door neighbor it. buys a property, you gotta pay. Yeah. So think twice about using real estate agents unless they're really qualified. And earlier I was making a joke about, you know, I think I can sell the job better myself. That's not necessarily the case in a lot of scenarios. We're buying and selling a lot of property in Tennessee right now, Jill and I are. Yeah, I don't through, know. Through I don't several, know. yeah, I've been there once. Yeah. And uh, I don't think Jill's ever been there. And there's, we have some very, very good brokers that we're working with there that are, are making these deals happy for uh, happen for us. So it can happen. Mm -hmm. It can be a positive thing. I'd rather continue on and do the right thing and, and find one of these guys is gonna shine for you. And one of these is gonna, guys you're gonna wanna work with. And one of these guys is gonna, cause here's the point of this. As you're using these guys, Mike, as boots on the ground, I envision one of them coming to you saying, I got three buyers, I'd be really interested in this. That's your guy. And that's what you want. So then you guys are, you guys could become a team down the road. Yeah. You find the properties. He tells you thumbs up, thumbs down. He brings you a buyer within hours or days, and you have a beautiful relationship. So please be conscious of this, though. Like us. <laughs> I really need to make this point, and it's actually, I think, a good point. 
old school, I mean, look at an auto mechanic, uh, um, an, a tech developer, like a web developer, and let's say a real estate agent. They all have multiple clients. It's so it's not so much who's the best one at their job, who's the best auto mechanic, who's the best IT person, or who's the best real estate agent. The person who is the best at accomplishing stuff for themselves and for their clients is the best time manager. And there is no way you can tell by talking to that person if they're a good time manager. So what ends up happening is right now we have one of the best developers I've ever worked with, ever, who happens to be a pretty terrible time manager. So when we have his attention for about 24 hours straight, because they will sit and work for 24 hours, drinking Red Bull and whatever else, eating pizza, they can create magical products, and right. which we are more than happy to pay for. We just can't ever get his attention. And so that's the same thing with real estate agents and brokers. They only can work on so many deals. And if they love your deal, ask them this. Have this conversation. That's why these pe- these two people in uh, Tennessee are doing so well for us. Because we're, before we buy the property, we ask them if we should buy it mm-hmm. and if how fast they can sell it. And, and do they, they have somebody? Do they have somebody in mind where they can just sell it and get the whole thing done in two weeks? Because they don't want to work on it forever either. Exactly. You know, how many people, how many listings does that guy have that he just shoved to the end of the line for us because we made that phone call that day? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you just got to be conscious of that. It happens all the time. Yeah. Today's topic, what acquisition financing options do I have during these virus slash economic downturn times? This is the meat of the show. I don't think they're any different. It's like I said earlier. Okay. They're not different. What you should be doing is adjusting what you're buying based on, if you're using regular conventional financing, not like partnership financing. Well, in any case, you should be really dramatically adjusting what types of houses you're buying and where. Because, and if you're using financing, that's times 10 for that reason. You need to be buying property cheaper than you've ever been buying it before because it's theoretically higher risk right now. There's a a smaller buyer pool. Uh, Landlords are not gonna be super excited like they usually are to buy property because a certain percentage of their portfolio is not paying now or they're paying less. Is this all tragic? Oh my gosh, is it? No, it's fine. You just have to adjust what you're doing. You have to have these conversations. You need to jillify it. You need to talk to all the landlords that you know in the market for hours. What do you want? How do you want me to do it? I, How do the numbers know, need to look? Yep. What's the what, deal look like now? What's the vacancy percentage? Whatever it is. What can you stomach? What do you want me to find? What's your threshold? Then you need to put the phone down Perfect. and pick up two or three lenders that you're used to working with or or introduce yourself to new ones and say, what are you guys financing on? What do the last five deals look like for you? You know, What was the loan to value? What do the interest rates look like? Uh, are you doing like refis for existing tenants? Because by the way, I can go buy those too. I can, I'm happily, you know, there's a lot of lenders that want to sell property right now. So you need to constantly adjust to the market. And unfortunately, what gets to the media is these tragic personal stories of people that would fail anyway. They would, in the best of times, they would fail. So you have to adjust almost week by week now which is one of the things that we try to do on the show is tell you what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Constantly, every single person, every single person that makes it to our advanced group is an adapt and overcome mentality. I want to ask you some questions about the different funding options and I want you to give me your little definition. on. You just talked about borrowing from a bank. We got that yeah. one. 
Okay, what about assigning a property? Tell me, I want you to tell me. I'm Joe, I'm New House Academy person, and I'm thinking of all my options. Okay, the bank thing, got it, check. What if I don't even use a bank? What if I just do an assignment? What are your thoughts on that? I'm I'm not a big fan, and I know you're not either. Uh, there's, just, just a, there's a CD part to that. We've all done them. Joe and I have done them. And it dep- really depends on the person who, if you already have a buyer lined up and you know exactly what they want, and you find a property and it fits the bill, and you call the guy and he says, yeah, I'd love to do that deal. That's exactly what I'm doing for. Um, I'll just pay 10,000 bucks out of escrow. I think there's nothing wrong with doing a transaction like that at all. Here's what I would never do on that. Find a property, it's a pretty good deal. Not a crazy deal, crazy good deal, just a pretty good deal. And then start shopping it and trying to find somebody to buy it. I think it's ter- a CD, everyone's gonna find out what you're doing. Uh, the title company's all, thrown on it. don't go well. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and then no matter, if there's anything that goes wrong in the deal from a buyer's perspective, or maybe the physical plant itself with houses, not so much land, something goes wrong, you're just giving them a reason to, to get out of it. Okay. So if the deal is worth dealing, dealing, if you have a great deal, here's the bottom line. If you find a great deal in recessionary times like this, you're going to find money. Well, let me go bed the next one. What about like deal funding with a partner? That's the best way to do all this. Okay. I mean, you don't, do you agree? I do. I'm, I'm being unrelated third party here. I'm just kind of, I'm interviewing you. I don't Please like tell think, us. I don't want you to be an unrelated third party. I don't want to be related to you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you say that now. <laughs> well, the camera's on. Oh, there we go. Thank you. All right, so the deal funding. Please explain. You know, I would love to actually hear you ha- uh, explain deal funding because you, you, you had the whole thing up. <laughs> it's basically, so this is, this as we're talking about what's a good idea and bad idea, we're talking about your options too for the show. So one of the options that you have is finding someone like us who will fund the whole deal. I'm not a bank, there's no fees, I'm not a percentage, but either the whole property, we're either gonna put both of our names on the deed or my name on the deed, depending on what agreement we strike up. And then at the end, when we sell it, um, and we're gonna, as part of the agreement, we're gonna figure out I'm responsible for this, you're responsible for that, using our situation. The person's bringing us the deal, they know the area, you know, they know the market, they know everything. There's a reason why it's, they love it. I just said, yeah, you're right, kind of thing, and here's the money, and they're gonna go do all the work, kind of thing. And then we have a predetermined arrangement where at the end that we're getting, you're getting X percentage, I'm getting Y percentage everybody's happy maybe we have a boots on the ground even I don't know and they're getting a little piece of the action whatever it is we have it all spelled out ahead of time and that's the deal funding and those are I love it it's just it's just so nice because you're not I don't need your credit score you know me having I have a I have an equity stake in the property so uh, that's what makes me feel really really good about this whole thing again I either own it outright or I own a large chunk of it um, of the property and then, do you want to add to that? I will at the end. Oh, well, my la- we all, that was the end of my deal funding speech, and I have one more Here's what, uh, real, what uh, Jill said. Here's what a deal looks like, just like that. It all starts with what I think I can sell it for. And what I think I can sell it for is a direct result of what's actually selling the most in the most recent data set I can get. So, a property in a zip code where you have a, pro- a house or where you're marketing to buy properties, is selling for a hundred last month sold for 150,000 bucks like kind property you know so you know you can sell it for 100 
and you're buying a property that's in reasonably tenable shape for sixty to seventy thousand dollars, we're gonna we're gonna help you find the deal. Or or us or you're gonna be it's it's you have something has to be mentally wrong with you if you can't find a private investor in the group that we have, either land or houses. You're just not trying hard enough. You're not exposing that transaction to everybody to fund it. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about one third of the price that it's retailed for last month. There's some, you know, don't hold us to that. Some great thing has to be in this deal. It's usually equity, and then we can finance it, mm-hmm. or anybody can finance it. A bank yes. can finance it when it's that great of a deal. I wouldn't recommend that. I would take it to somebody in our group because now you're talking about doing a deal in 20 minutes instead of however long it takes a bank to do it. Okay, here's my final question. Sir, tell me, what about using your own money? I, I go back and forth on that. Uh, you know, Jill and I use our own money uh, on almost every land deal. Oh, just I'm trying to think of when we've done a deal with the partner on with for, Not land, for land. Just because we just know it so well. Um, for houses that tend to be more cash intensive, uh, that we don't, that aren't a slam dunk, uh, we will bring somebody in. My thing is velocity. Like I can do yeah. more deals at the same time if I'm not using my more, my own money. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> but you know these sayings. You've all heard the sayings: other people's money and all this crazy stuff from Wall Street. And you know, I think those sayings are all rooted in um, something that's really negative and kind of like. Uh, uh, pathological like right. you're, you're trying to take other people's money and use other people's money and so while I think there's a place for that I would rather have everybody have a little bit of skin in the game instead of a hundred percent to zero I like that too totally agree. I mean what do you, you do okay mm-hmm. no I really do agree I had a business partner who was just that was his saying he had it on his desk use other people's money and, and it ended that relationship ended very poorly yeah I like it. I like when we each have a skin in the game. It just makes a difference. You mm-hmm. know that. Hey, it all starts with a great deal. Yeah. If you have a great deal, if you have a great deal, it's like, wait a second, this is a great deal. Am I going to share it with Bank of America? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Or am I going to share it with my uncle who does these kinds of deals anyway? Exactly. Or am I going to share it with a guy who knows everything about this market and he loves doing these deals? You're, yeah. And he's going to do 50 more deals with me if we can just get this one done. Totally. That, that's all positive, yep. common sense, not other people's money negative. And that's how you should go into these. That's a good point. Like for me, I can end it on this. If you go into it with thinking it's a great deal, if I had the cash right now, I'd do it by myself, period. I don't want to share it with anybody. That's how you should go into it. It's that good of a deal. You know, I'd, I'd sell a child right now. I'd put a child, or you know, not like that, but you know what I mean? I'd pawn something really good. That's a different show right Sorry. <laughs> but... You know, it's that good of a deal. And I'm looking at uh, the person I'm doing the deal with is I'm looking at them as a potential business partner for long-term things. If you have that mindset for, and for and you can answer both questions like that, you're, got, you're gonna do great. Happy you could join us today. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we are right here on the House Academy Show. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we are on the Land Academy Show. Tomorrow, the episode on the Land Academy Show is called, When Should You Rezone or Subdivide a Property? You are not alone in your real estate ambition. If you're too busy tomorrow to listen to the show, the answer is never. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a few uh, few times it's, it makes a lot of sense to split property, uh, especially land. But we'll talk all, all about it tomorrow. 
The House Academy show remains commercial free for you, our loyal listener. So wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening, please subscribe and rate us there. We are Stephen Jill. Jill. Information and inclination. <laughs> to buy undervalued property.